Hello and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Anita Edwards and I'm a Senior Knowledge Lawyer in the Financial Services team here at Norton Race Fulbright in London. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Herbst, a partner and global head of our Financial Services group, and Hannah Meakin, also a partner in our Financial Services group. Today we're going to discuss the FCA's recent letter to the CEOs of firms categorised as principal trading firms. The letter was sent on the 4th of August and set out the FCA's strategy for supervising principal trading firms, including its views on the most important risks arising from these firms and its expectations of them. Before we talk about the content of the letter, Jonathan, perhaps you could explain what exactly a principal trading firm is. Thanks, Anita. Hello, everybody. So the formal answer is it's a firm that has the majority of it, or majority proportion of its revenue is from trading as principal. That's what the FCA says in the letter. In reality, it covers a combination of the high-frequency traders and also some of the firms that are operative in particular markets, for example, commodities, who actually are taking prop positions. Essentially, it's those two or two categories. Thanks, Jonathan. And why has the FCA issued this letter to principal trading firms? Well, I think, look, what they say in the letter, as you would expect, is they're systemically important as liquidity providers and systemically significant anyway in terms of impact on the market. And obviously, others in the market interact with them. That's the sort of official reason, and that's clearly what's set out in the letter. I think the interesting question is, why now? And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, part of it, as the letter sort of says, is driven, interestingly enough, by the commodities sector, although that's only a sub-part of what the, a lot of these firms do. Uh, I think that because of the volatility has clearly impacted on the um understanding of the regulators. I think the second reason is just a more general thing, which is, you know, the overall impact of these firms. Now, that's not a new point. They are highly systemic, some of them, or at least cumulatively they are across the market. Uh, I don't know why this particular moment has been picked, but it's not a new issue. And definitely it's something that has is and remains very much at the top of the regulatory agenda. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, and perhaps I could ask my next question first to Hannah, but maybe Jonathan, you could come in as well with some of your thoughts. Um, the FCA referred to five areas of focus in the letter, which were algorithmic trading controls, financial resilience, avoiding market disruption arising from commodity market volatility, operational resilience and Brexit impacts. In your view, what are the headlines from each of these areas? Thanks, Anita. Hi, everyone. Uh, so, yes, on algorithmic trading controls, the FCA is expecting firms to devote appropriate resource to managing effective oversight functions and controls aimed at reducing the impact of disorderly trading and market abuse. Firms should be able to show how their systems and controls have been tailored to their business models. And the FCA reminds senior management that they're ultimately responsible and accountable for their firm's activities, including outcomes arising from the use of automated systems or models, including, interestingly, any AI. The FCA actually plans to undertake a multi-firm review of compliance with RTS 6 and 7 requirements in uh, coming months. So firms using algorithmic trading and trading venues should be ready for that. On financial resilience, the FCA recognises that many principal trading firms have limited market exposure and, and no customers, so pose a reduced risk of harm when they fail. However, it also realises that some firms may have more complex interactions with markets and the real economy. 
the FCA recommends expanding the scope of stress testing scenarios and planning on the basis that the wind downs of these types of firms are likely to be made more complex by surrounding stressed environments, which could affect firms' ability to trade and also to realise assets at the expected market value. They may also involve the non-availability of suppliers. So the FCA notes that the scope of events covered by extreme but plausible is likely to be wider than it was 18 months ago. Uh, the FCA says that it will focus, apply additional focus to types of firms that it has seen experiencing challenges, um, such as, as Jonathan mentioned, commodity trading firms, which have experienced particular market volatility. And the FCA plans to conduct enhanced monitoring on these firms and other firms that provide clearing services or hold dominant market positions and present a higher risk of harm in disorderly failure. Um, on operational resilience, uh, the FCA expects firms that are in scope of its policy statement to embed the requirements and operate within their impact tolerances as soon as reasonably practicable, but no later than 31st of March 2025. The FCA will review in-scope firms' implementation plans and expect them to demonstrate that their approach integrates broader resilience requirements into a coherent overall framework. And firms not formally in scope of these rules should also consider them to be good practice. I think that's worth noting. And then um, on Brexit impacts, uh, you know, as the temporary permission regime comes to an end and mindful of the fact that new structures that many firms have implemented involve different entities operating across different jurisdictions, the FCA reminds firms to inform them in good time if they're considering any changes, especially to the movement of staff, entities, trading desks or functions so that it can effectively supervise regulated activities in the UK. Uh, and those firms that are newly subject to FCA requirements can look forward to engagement with the FCA on all of the issues we've mentioned, uh, plus compliance with the UK regime and uh, the senior managers and certification regime in particular. Hannah, just to pick up on a couple of points you said, I think the first perhaps is something I should have said earlier, which is one of the other motivators for all of this is the degree of technology dependency of a lot of the principal trading firms. It's not a new point, and I think certainly the ION events earlier in the year and other uh, cyber-related issues have certainly concentrated regulators and, and everyone else's minds on how significant those technological impacts are. I also think in that context, you probably need to look at this in the broader schema of DORA and the UK equivalent. And you know, the general realisation, which is, is very much at the forefront of regulation at the moment, of the significance of systems testing in that context. So that's that's point one. Just a couple of other quick sort of glosses on what you said. I think the, the question of commodity market volatility is interesting. You know, we've obviously had in the last three years both extreme low points and extreme high points in terms of commodity prices. That whole issue around market abuse monitoring transaction monitoring and generally you know systemic significance and being compliant with the market abuse regime is something firms in that sector should take particularly seriously not everyone who's a principal trader will play in that sector but those who do i think should take that very seriously and the only other two other quick things i pick up on are, are not resilience i think it's interesting we all know of course we've got the march 25 deadline but Reading between the lines, and this is from other discussions as well, there's definitely a front-loading of pressure to actually get firms of resilience sorted out as rapidly as possible. So I think firms should really be taking the timeline 
extremely seriously on that and, and getting in there as fast as possible because it obviously ties into existing high-level principles and CIS requirements and others. And finally, on Brexit, some those who've read the letter may find the second paragraph on Brexit slightly odd. I think this ties into some of the FCA's broader concerns, particularly about overseas firms or you know, within a group and overseas firm within a group doing business back into the UK and the degree of supervisory oversight. We might do a separate podcast on the overseas firm's regime, but that is really what that paragraph is talking about. It's slightly cryptic, but that's what it's really referring to, including for those firms operating from the UK fully, that particular paragraph may not be at the forefront, but that I think is what it's talking about. Great, thank you both. One last question for you, Jonathan. Now that the FCA has sent this letter, what are the next steps? So as it says in the letter, what uh, CEOs need to do is discuss the letter with their directors and or the board and have a plan by the end of September 23. Now, the question we've obviously been asked is what does that mean in reality? It, it doesn't mean dealing with everything. It means having a, a thought about it, be having a plan for dealing with it. So, uh, and, and I would suggest that, uh, in advance of that, obviously a proper reason discussion at whether it's an exco or and or a board meeting, probably both. Uh, obviously, people will be under some pressure. It's a pretty tight timetable. You may, for example, end up in a position where it can be discussed in the risk committee in time, but maybe slightly later or whatever. But, but I think the process people should be going through is a proper audit trail of having considered all of the issues. And to, to finish on this, I would say there's quite a lot packed away in there, more than meets the eye. So whilst none of the topics are new, it's effectively a clarion call to relook at things that firms have done over the years and make sure they are fit for purpose in all these areas. That's really helpful. Thanks, Jonathan. And thanks to both of you for sharing your thoughts on the FCA's letter today. Um, we'll continue to track developments on our regulation tomorrow blog. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye.